This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, two National Lacrosse League clubs kick off their main camp this weekend, including the Vancouver Stealth, who invited five from their invite-only camp last week. And we have two incredible guests stopping by. Bill O'Brien of the New England Black Wolves will come by and talk about Thompson Brothers Lacrosse and recent CLA Hall of Fame inductee Dan Stroop, one of the three coaches for the Colorado Mammoth, checks in. All that and more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on NLL Radio and SoundCloud. My name is Teddy Jenner. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. I'm pretty much there all day, every day. Uh, or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you as we get closer and closer to the regular season. Uh, I've been hearing from a lot of fans from all over North America, uh, even some Fans in Europe wondering when, where and how they can watch National Lacrosse League games. We'll kind of get into that a little bit later. We've talked about it and touched on it a little bit. Still no real news from the NLL, but apparently that is going to be coming soon. Uh, I checked in with Brian Lemon uh, about the rule, new rule changes that are going to be coming out. They're still waiting um, for the press releases, so he was unable to talk to me on record um, so we're just going to wait for that. So hopefully uh, we'll have some news on what these new rules, uh, either experimental rules for the preseason or rules that have been officially changed heading into the regular season. We should be finding out that soon. We should also be finding out what this new National Lacrosse League logo looks like sometime soon. Uh, I had a couple fans um, ask me about uh, the String Kings deal. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, what does it mean for the players? What does it mean for Under Armour? Uh, I can tell you this. Um, we kind of touched on a little bit last week, but uh, I did reach out to Evan Kirk, and he said that uh, Under Armour is still one of the main suppliers, if not the main supplier for uh, equipment and gear and sticks for the National Lacrosse League. String King has come on as another sponsor. Um, so that's all good, so you don't have to worry. Um, I'm just glad, kind of like I touched on last week, that uh, guys have options. Uh, they don't just have to use one piece of equipment, one manufacturing company. Uh, they can, you know, go where they feel most comfortable, use what they're most comfortable with. So uh, good options out there for all the players. And if you can get yourself, if you're a player, and you can go and get uh, yourself an endorsement deal with one of these companies, uh, all, the more all the more power to you. Um, I saw a Snapchat from Dane Smith last week. And basically said, hey, Under Armour, thanks for the hookup. And it was basically a box of swag. Shirts, hats, sandals, probably some socks, boxers, the whole nine. Um, I think the most I ever got when I played in the NLL was um, a 4XL tracksuit from Reebok. And there was like two people in the NLL they could fit into that. And that was, that was the Morgan brothers, Richard and Dave. Cause they were all both like six, seven, six, eight. They were the only guys who could fit in them. Everyone else was swimming in these giant track suits. That was because at the time Reebok was really just kind of doing basketball stuff. And they sent us basketball attire, but we'll move on. Um, as mentioned off the top of the show, uh, Bill O'Brien and Dan Stroop are going to stop by. Um, the interview with Bill O'Brien. Uh, I talked to him uh, late last week. Uh, is a fantastic chat. Um, the guy's story is so incredible, um, but he's doing so much more, and he's doing so much off the floor that it's just incredible. I'm not sure a lot of people know how much he really does uh, for Thompson Brothers Lacrosse and for Nike Lacrosse, working out of their headquarters um, and going on the road and going to camps and, and keeping you know the Thompsons all in line and, and getting out to camps and getting out to promotional uh, events and um, as we found out through the media uh, over the weekend in the past few days, um, the Thompsons and Lyle Thompson, especially, and Bill O'Brien have really gotten behind Standing Rock uh, and the Keystone XL pipeline. And we kind of, Bill and I kind of talk about that in our interview. And um, I had to apologize to Bill after because I really didn't know 
how deep this ran. I knew it was an issue and I knew it was something that people were speaking out against, um, but I didn't know how involved the Thompson brothers were. So hopefully, uh, just so you know, Bill and Lyle are actually going to Standing Rock this weekend. Uh, they're going to be there. They're going to be help advocating, help, you know, being a voice and, and getting their face out there um, and speaking about awareness of what is going on out in Standing Rock. If, if you're not um, really up to date, uh, a Coles Note version uh, Keystone XL pipeline is a pipeline that'll go from Canada all the way down to Texas, I believe. Uh, and it's going to cut through North Dakota, through the Indian reserves and, and through the, the tribal territories. And they're worried that, you know, if there was ever a major oil spill, it's going to get into the rivers and the streams and into the land that these people live off of. So, uh, they're making a big push for that. So, uh, we all stand, well, at least I do. Um, I stand behind them. I think it's a great uh, effort to be involved in. Um, so we're either going to have Bill on again next week, or we're going to try to talk to Lyle um, and just kind of get an idea of what was going on out there and 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 what they did and 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 what we can do um, as a lacrosse family to maybe help out. So um, I was going to play Bill a little bit later, but now we've kind of segued into most of it. Um, so joining us now on the show, amazing segue, just top class. Uh, joining us now here on the Off the Crossbar podcast, is a guy who has um, an absolutely fantastic story. A, a few years ago, he was playing Division uh, 2A for 2AA football uh, for Sacred Heart. Division 1AA is what it actually was with Sacred Heart. Um, a three-year starter uh, and just was always a lacrosse guy, had kind of gotten away from the game, and is now um, one of the most feared defenders in the NLL, uh, Bill O'Brien. He joins us here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Billy, how are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty well, Teddy. I, I really appreciate you having me on the show, and uh, I'm excited about it. That's for sure. Oh, we'll have some fun because uh, you're involved in a lot of things. But you know, it's been a while since the NLL season's been on and the Senior B Loop. So, what have you been doing from September until leading up to training camp? Well, I, I do a lot of uh, business administration work. You know, setting up for 2017. Uh, I manage Thompson Brothers Lacrosse, so. We have, uh, we have to get all our ducks in a row for 2017. Um, the summer, obviously, we do a ton of traveling. Mm -hmm. uh, so luckily, when I'm, uh, when I'm on the road, it's, it's a good time because I'm with my best friends. Yeah. Um, and, we're, and we're doing what we love. We're teaching lacrosse, playing lacrosse. Um, in September, we have our, our huge Nike N7 uh, lacrosse camp, which is great. We had 360 uh, native youth from all over the country come and participate in this free camp that we partner with uh, Nike and seven on. Um, and then we do a, a couple other teaching programs, some, uh, some speaking events, September, October. Um, and honestly, Teddy, I'm, uh, I try to train every day, sometimes yeah. twice a day, ready for uh, getting ready for the new season. So definitely fired up. And you're one of those guys that like, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people realize, really realize how much and what Thompson brothers lacrosse does you guys are everywhere right now especially uh and you mentioned about it getting out to the native youth and helping these kids and showing them what lacrosse is but you're not just focusing on those kids you're focusing on everybody and you guys have built a, a really cool brand with the n7 program and the thompson brothers how did that all come about with, with you guys and with nike yeah so i mean really it was a no-brainer when it came down to uh n7 uh, with these guys being Nike athletes, uh, TBL being a Nike partner, uh, we just, you know, it's something we wanted to be a part of. Sam mm -hmm. McCracken started Nike N7, um, and it, that's a cool story in and of itself. He's a, he's a native from the Midwest who basically was working in a, a Nike warehouse, put together this business plan, presented it to uh, upper management, and they mm -hmm. said, sure, uh, you got the keys to the shift, this Nike N7 thing, so run with it. And wow. Sam's done a great building a, a brand that gives back to native youth. And, and that's something that we wanted to be a part of um, when it came down, when it came down to crunch time. So, so we are, and it's uh, it's a huge opportunity for us because um, it, it falls in line with our brand and, uh, and, and what we represent uh, with obviously uh, Nike on seven. This month is actually native American appreciation month or mm -hmm. native American history, if you will. Yep. And, uh, a huge thing that happened was uh, the Nike N7 line that was released this month 
is actually inspired by Lyle Thompson. Awesome. Um, it's yeah. called the Spirit of Protection line. It dropped November 7th. Um, and just having that and, and the story, the branding behind that partnered with N7, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I saw the the video that though it, it is awesome, and I think you know those stories that that, that Lyle and Miles and, and all those guys have of just growing up in their backyard and everything, and the stories that they've told from the the four part documentary that was out uh, to all the movies and the little vignettes they're doing. I think they've really grabbed this social media thing by storm, and I think it's great because I don't think a lot of people really know their story. But how quickly did those guys jump on board, and and how tough was it for them? Uh, to kind of break out of sort of the humble shadow and, and be willing to tell that story. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still a work in progress, Teddy, to be honest, we're, uh, I do my best. We got a, a team around us. Um, we, we hired a couple employees at Thompson brothers lacrosse, my brother, uh, Rich Bamberger, and, uh, we work daily to kind of develop plans to help be authentic to TBL. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously the Thompsons, they, like you said, they, they love a huge piece of humble pie and, and they're very humble in what they do, but they're also the world's best. So yeah. it's kind of my job to balance that and give people the authentic um, look and their story, kind of tell that story to people um, through social media, through content. And uh, I mean, they've, they've come a long way um, and they've really been immersed in it. And now they kind of know what it takes. So it's it's cool to see the growth, and yeah. it's cool that uh, they're they're definitely a part of it, and they want to engage people now because, as I explained to to them, hey, look, guys, you you have a voice whether you want it or not, but you should definitely use it, and uh, they have been. So it's it's really exciting to see that growth. Uh, when I was just kind of looking for some things about you and, and reading bios and stuff like that, I, I came across the site, the the Like a Pro site. Um, and I had never seen it, and, and it's actually a really cool idea of getting professional athletes and kind of sharing their social media aspects and some of the things they're posting online. But also it's where fans and, and kids can go and buy the apparel that they're wearing through Nike. How did you get involved with Like a Pro? Yeah, so just, just through a couple of relationships that I had with, uh, with my network, I uh, heard about mm-hmm. this opportunity with Like a Pro, um, basically a social media app that mm-hmm. is is directed right to the obviously from the athlete to the consumer but then they take it a step further and allow you to see what the the favorite things that these athletes are using so there's yeah. there's a bunch of athletes a part of like a pro um it sounded like a no-brainer to me another mm-hmm. way to basically consumers and and have that connection because I'm, obviously lacrosse is such a tight-knit community that by giving a little basically a piece of yourself to to your fans or your consumer, it's, it really does way more than uh, than the time spent. You'll see a huge return on that that investment of time. So um, obviously, that life experience of that fan, that that uh, that kid who, whose day you brighten up, um, mm-hmm. that that goes away, and it gives it gives people something to uh, to be happy about. So um, it was a no brainer to work with Like a Pro, and um, they're they're an awesome company and. Uh, they're they're doing great things. So it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's yourself, Thompson brothers, and I saw Mark Evans, uh, Mark Matthews, and Sean Evans on there as well. So and then it's not just lacrosse players; it's it's athletes from all different walks of life, life, and, and different sports. It's a great little site, and I I really recommend people check it out just because you can get to see really cool stories uh, from people, and there's interactive videos. And one of the videos I saw, um, the lady was asking you about Standing Rock and and, and the water supply with the the Keystone Pipeline and all that. I don't want to get into that real politicky sort of stuff, but how important is it for you as a role model in the Native American community to, to show your support for things like that and be a, a real positive role model for the youth? Um, that's huge. I mean, I think that um, in Native communities across North America, there there's a lack of um, accomplishment, a lack of success, a lack of um, hope, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. most of these – Communities are impoverished, they're low income, there's alcoholism and drug abuse runs rampant, their suicide rates are through the roof, birth mortality yeah. rate is through the roof. And what that all comes down to is is not having hope, in my mind, mm-hmm. not having someone to look to, not having someone to aspire to be like. You know, when I grew up, I had my dad, I had my older brother, 
I had athletes that I looked up to um, and, and other role models that I looked up to, which made me the man I am today. Yeah. And basically that's what we're trying to do with Thompson brothers lacrosse, not only for native kids, um, but all kids, you know, show them that, Hey, through hard work, through dedication, anything's possible. Um, yeah, the absolutely. only limit you have is the one that, the one that you put on yourself. Um, but I think we take it a step further in native communities and we have to show support because um, the injustices that are happening uh, to natives is, isn't right. And mm. uh, obviously from our lens being native American, we have that platform to basically say like, Hey guys, whether you agree with us or not, this is our opinion. And uh, we hope that you take some value to it and Hey, just take a look. You know, we just want to increase awareness about certain issues that, that face native communities because it seems like uh, there's not much around it. Absolutely. Uh, that, it's a, it's an incredible fight and uh, it's one that's been going on for, for as long as we can all remember. Um, and it's something that still needs to be told. Uh, we're speaking with Bill O'Brien of the New England Black Wolves, who's uh, a multi-sport athlete, played hockey and football growing up. And, and a lot of people may not have known you were a, a, a 2AA at Sacred Heart. You were a three-time starter uh, playing football there. Uh, what was your time like as a college football athlete? Because that's a completely different beast than being a college lacrosse athlete. Yeah, being a football player in college is awesome. I had a ton of fun. I had a uh, a great time. The camaraderie, the brotherhood that comes with football is similar to lacrosse. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Um, the grind is similar. Um, but, I mean, just, just having the pure fact of, of training every day with your team and, and having the opportunity to, to you know, game plan and, and do all these things together, you, you become really tight knit. Um, and then obviously sacking a quarterback, there's no better. Feeling, so, um, yeah. You <laughs> can't beat that. So, so I definitely miss, miss that, but uh, it was an awesome experience. Sacred heart. They've, uh, they've built up quite the program in recent years, a couple back to back NEC championships and they're doing great things down there. So it's always cool. Is that where you got your real drive for the gym, or was that something that was always a part of your routine? So when I was younger, I was actually uh, I was a chubby kid, and yeah. I did not like it. <laughs> yeah, I did not <laughs> like it. Um, so I had a decision to make, whether just to uh, not be happy with myself and how I looked or, or make some changes. And luckily my mom, she basically was – she obviously knew I was unhappy. We all know how mothers are. And she's like, mm-hmm. what's wrong? And I told her, like, I don't like – being a fat kid and uh what she did for me i think uh has, has ripple effects through my entire life and, and she basically would wake me up at five in the morning we would go to the gym before school and i was 14 at the time and she would always be there working out with me and and kind of teaching me the ropes yeah and uh i mean that, that basically instilled the hard work dedication training aspect you know discipline so I'm really thankful for her and, and kind of what she did when she saw that I was having an issue. Um, mm-hmm. and, and from that, obviously, football was just a natural path. Got to get bigger, got to get stronger, got to get faster. That's something that I enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, so college football, I, I really thrived, and I uh, I had a great time. And then just translating that into lacrosse, um, always trying to get better, always trying to improve physically, um, mm-hmm. conditioning, because that's what we have control over. Um, so that's a huge how, thing for me. Yeah. How big of it was a jump for you? Because, you know, even playing college football, you'd always had a stick in your hand, even when you weren't at school. Uh, what was the biggest challenge for you when you decided to say, you know what, I'm going to give the NLL a shot and I'm going to try out, uh, with the Wolves. And what was the biggest challenge for you, uh, stepping up to the pro game? I think the biggest challenge was just the speed of the game and, yeah. um, uh, stick skills you know i i i kind of put my stick down there for a little while i hadn't been playing very competitive lacrosse when i came home we would play some pickup games we would mess around but it was nothing to the level of the nll Mm -hmm. um so i i basically had to lean on my physicality i had to lean on my strength my speed and then just trying to be a sponge trying to be coachable that's one thing in football um that you learn you know they tell you to do something you do it you will Mm -hmm. have success and I've been lucky enough to uh, to have some of the best coaches um, and, and actually the historic legendary players like Coach Beltman, Coach mm-hmm. Clark, TK. Um, these guys uh, know the game better than 
cumulatively, they know, know the game better than any single person. Um, yeah. So I just try to be a sponge, try to learn as much as possible. And it doesn't hurt when you're learning from uh, Coach Veltman, you know, a Hall of Absolutely, yeah. It's awesome. That was the one thing that Clarkie and JV expressed to me when, when you guys came out to Vancouver last year and we were talking. It was your first game of the year, and he said, the best thing is, is when we talk, these guys listen. It's all eyes on us. Everybody is soaking everything that we say up, and it's great because it's, it really brought you guys that much closer. Uh, it's your second year under Glenn. You won Coach of the Year last year. Evie's back. Your D got even better. Uh, you made some really good draft picks. What's the – What's the mentality going into this year after you guys had a really successful 2016? You know, we want to build on it. And I think that that goes without saying. We see what management and the coaches are doing. Um, Rich List, GM of the year, he mm-hmm. uh, he secured some really good players. We I think we're going into camp with about 40 signed players. It's going nice. to be a really competitive camp, um, having to narrow that down. Um, but competition, competition breeds success. So I'm excited. You know, we're lucky enough to have coaches who demand respect when they walk into the into the locker room. Yeah. Through their body language, through their their uh, lacrosse lore, if you will. But um, it's it's really cool to be a part of, and we want to take it a step further this year and and uh, be fighting for that Champions Cup. Is this the year you get your first NLL goal? <laughs> Can we go on record and say this is going to be the year? This is the year. Katie. This is I the year. I love it. Guarantee <laughs> All right. it. Um, it's uh, year three in the den uh, with, with, the, with the Black Wolves up there in Uncleville playing at the casino. And, and it's really starting to build some momentum. And you're up there quite a bit. And, and you know what's going on there. And you're talking to people. Is year three the year that we're really going to see um, the people up there really grab a hold of this club and, and really support it full-heartedly? I think so. I mean, just just hearing and seeing and being a part of some season ticket event uh, events that went on over the summer and um, the excitement that's been built, even through social media, you know, people are reaching out to me constantly, like this many days until the season, can't wait yeah. till you guys are back in the You know, you see the excitement that's built. There was none of that year one, year two. Um, and I, I've, I actually had an opportunity to talk to one of the ticket sales guys, Darren, and he's like, we've sold over 500 season tickets, uh, season tickets more than last year at this point. So he was excited. Awesome. Um, it's uh, Mohegan Sun's doing it right. You know, they want to see lacrosse succeed, and they're willing to put their money where their mouth is and really create this awesome event in a in a great venue. So it's cool. That's fantastic. Uh, I want to ask you one more question before we go. Um, how the hell do you climb Mount Kilimanjaro? <laughs> Took about seven days. Wow. With, uh, with a, lot, a lot of determination, uh, to say the least. I actually was uh, a bit prideful, and I didn't take the the altitude sickness pills that the oh, doc, yeah. doctor was prescribing. Yeah. And I was like, ah, if I can't do it with without anything, I don't want to be able to do it. And uh, it really put me through the test because at about 18,000 feet, yeah. In elevation, altitude sickness, punched me right in the face. And I'm throwing up, I was disoriented. I was like, oh, my God. I made it, though. I made yeah. it, and uh, it was all worth it. Then a, a Tanzanian, an African guy, one of our porters, was like, you got to get down the mountain as fast as possible. It'll help heal your altitude sickness. He's like, so we're going to run, all right? And, I mean, at, at that time, I was playing college football. I was about 260 pounds trying to run down <laughs> I'm like a 45% grade incline. Yeah. And loose gravel. The porter was falling all over. He turned around. Are you okay? Are you okay? Uh, it was uh, it was living on the edge for sure. Um, but <laughs> got down. It was an amazing experience. It was a lot of fun. Just uh, just another chapter for the Bill O'Brien story, eh? <laughs> You're not kidding. Man, I I appreciate you giving us some time. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, so I'm glad we're able to catch up and have this chat and. Uh, I just want to say uh, you're doing an incredible job, you know, growing the game, helping spread the word of the game and the word of the creator. And I know a lot of people are really proud of, of what you and Thompson Brothers Lacrosse has done. And uh, I wish you guys all the best and continued success. And, and here's to your first goal in 2017. <laughs> Thanks, Teddy. Hey, keep up, uh, keep up the great work on your end too. You're doing some great things. I love following you. I love the podcast and uh, 
just appreciate you having me on. And I'll, I'll be on after I score my first goal, and we can talk about that too. Consider it a deal. Thanks again, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, Teddy. I'll talk to you. You heard it here first on the OTCB podcast. When Bill O'Brien gets his first goal of the season, he will be on the following week. And we're going to play the clip. We're going to replay the clip. And we're going to play it over and over and over again. Because it's just a good story. I love when guys get their first goal, especially when guys have been in the league for a couple years and haven't been able to get it. And I think he had um, maybe like six or seven shots in his first year. He only had a couple last year. He doesn't get up the floor um, much. Uh, he's pretty much a stay-at-home guy. He likes to start the transition. Um, but I have a feeling this is going to be the year he uh, lights the old lamp. But a uh, fantastic chat. Uh, an incredible story. I love uh, the part of the conversation where he says, you know, when he was a young kid, he was a chubby kid, um, and his mom made him decide what he wanted to do. And it was that point where he kind of really got serious about fitness. And if, if you follow him on Twitter or Instagram and you see some of the workouts that he does, uh, it's just fantastic. It, it was kind of funny when we were talking that day after our, our conversation, he was like, make sure you get out and, and go squeeze a lift. And I'm like, hey, man, I, I already got my lift in this morning, but I'm going to go for a hike. He's like, I'd love to hear it. And I, he inspired me. He was like, I'm going out. And that's just kind of what Billy O'Brien can do. He's just... Um, an incredible story. He's a straight edge guy. He doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs, none of that stuff. He's um, an incredible role model uh, for native, not just native youth, but for, for everybody. Uh, he's a tireless worker. He's gotten himself in incredible shape, and he's really um, revolutionized himself from a, a football player, a standout football player, to a standout professional lacrosse player. And it's an incredible story, a fantastic journey and one that we will continue to watch as his career goes on. Um, so as mentioned, we're going to try to either get Bill back on next week or Lyle to talk about um, Standing Rock and everything that was going on out there in Dakota. So um, stick around for that. And, you know, I suggest there's a, an incredible New York Times article uh, that involves Lyle Thompson and the Thompson brothers, and it just speaks volumes to what they're fighting for and, and what they're getting behind. So, uh, if you can go find that article, check it out. I think I've retweeted retweeted it a couple times. I know Georgia, the Georgia Swarm account has as well, and so have the Thompson brothers. So uh, if you can get a chance, go read the article and, and just kind of learn what's going on with with so much. Like we, I, and you kind of heard me. Like I didn't really want to get into the politics of things because um, that's not what this show's about. If you want politics, go watch C-SPAN. Um, like I'm interested in it, and, and I'm I'm behind it. I just didn't know enough about it. You know, in Canada, we have our own protesters out here um, on, and of the native culture fighting for the land and, and opposing of the pipelines. And I support it. You know, it's it's their land. Um, so the more you know, uh, the better off you are. So um, I think it's great to that we have players, you know, standing up for things like this. And, you know, the NFL has their Colin Kaepernick incidents and all those things. I think this is a great advocacy and a great use of the platform that the Thompson Brothers Lacrosse Group is doing. Bill O'Brien, Lyle, and Lyle Thompson. Um, I've seen Cody Jamison get behind it and, and a few of the other guys. So I think it's just, um, I think it's a great, great thing that they're doing. Um, and I look forward to the chat that we have next week as well. Uh, also, Like a Pro is a fantastic site. If you can, go check it out. Um, it, it allows you to to stay up to date with some of your favorite players uh, that are a part of the project and also see what gear they're wearing, um, what fashion style they're into, and, and you can buy that stuff too. So uh, there are a handful of lacrosse guys on there. I think um, Lyle Thompson, uh, Hyanna Thompson, Jeremy Thompson, Billy O'Brien, Mark Matthews, Sean Evans, and a few others are all out there. So... Um, check it out. Uh, likeapro.com is the site. Um, and then, of course, Thompson Brothers Lacrosse. You can check out their website um, and all the things that they're doing. Um, just great stuff. I, I talked to Bill again, and uh, hopefully I can try to get those guys out west um, and do some camps because obviously there's a, an incredible uh, Native American population out here and, and, and all the, the tribes and the reservations that are out here. I'm sure that they could do some, some good work out here as well. So uh, thanks to Bill O'Brien for stopping by and for everything that those guys have been doing over the years. Uh, we talked about National Lacrosse League camps getting underway. Um, the Colorado Mammoth and the Vancouver Stealth 
will get at it this weekend. Uh, Vancouver, obviously, out at the LEC and the Mammoth down in Denver. A lot of teams are going to be starting next week. Um, U.S. Thanksgiving, if they can. Most Canadian teams are going to be doing it. Uh, the Toronto Rock will. They expect most of their Americans that they have um, under contract there. Uh, doesn't sound like Paul Rabel will be at that camp. When I spoke to Jamie Dowick, he said that um, they would be releasing something soon. So I don't know if that's um, a positive or a negative. Um, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Uh, most teams are going to kick off next weekend. Um, some teams just wanted to get one in before they got to December, give people, you know, U.S. Thanksgiving off. I can especially understand uh, why the Mammoth do it. Um, but you can expect to see a lot of teams um, either in uh, out at the Six Nations Reserve, out at the ILA doing camps, uh, out at the track doing camps. Um, so there'll be some busy teams next weekend. And then once we get into December, uh, that's when re- things really start to take speed. Uh, we'll get some exhibition games in. Um, I know there's going to be a camp out here in Vancouver at the start of December. Um, there's probably going to be at least at least two, uh, probably even three or four teams. I would imagine Calgary's going to come out along with Denver and the Stealth. They'll be out here, so there'll probably be some exhibition games out at the LEC as, as well as uh, multiple teams practicing. But it's it's now the time where rosters start to take shape and, and we start to see um, players being moved around on rosters to make room for guys. Uh, you might have noticed if you looked at the transaction list on NLL.com, the Vancouver Stealth placed uh, goaltender Tyler Richards on the physically unable to perform list. Um, I checked in with Doug Locker and he says it's nothing major. They just wanted to give him some more time to, to rehab and get better after the end of the WLA season where he tweaked his knee. Um, there's no real rush to get him back in. They don't need him at this camp. Uh, they have plenty of guys in camp. Um, I think they're going to have four probably this weekend. Um, obviously, Cody Hagedorn will be there. Uh, Eric Penny will be there. Ty Belanger, who they picked up in a trade, will be there. And then they've invited Charles Claxton, Claxton from their invite camp last weekend. So they'll have four goalies in camp. And then once they kind of move to the next week, uh, it sounds like Tyler Richards should be able to go to that one. Tanner Thede was also moved uh, to the physically unable to perform list. They released Jordan McBride. So um, you're starting to see some teams move guys, uh, pick guys up, trying to make room for when they go to camps. I think you can only have 40 guys in camp uh, as per the CBA. I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's somewhere around that number of 40. So um, the one thing that uh, when I was watching the video of the Vancouver Stealth Camp, uh, their invitation camp last weekend, Jamie Batley said that, you know, they are probably going to invite, you know, four or five guys from that invitation camp to their main camp this weekend, which they've done. Uh, but then they might invite a few more guys um, from the invitation camp to the second camp. Um, and when I talked to Doug Locker, he said that was probably going to be true. He didn't want to go into any names, um, but expect the stealth to bring a couple different guys back to their second camp. Um, this way they can kind of get a closer look at a few guys who might be bubble boys. Uh, and then when they have their second camp in December, they'll be able to have a different look and maybe a few other guys once they move on from the first camp. But here's the thing, and, and I think this is going to be a sentiment um, with all national lacrosse league teams, and this is the way it really should be. And, and this is one of the things that uh, Doug Locker and I talked about uh, last night when he and I had a bit of a conversation about just what's going on with the team and moving into camp and and things like that. And because I really think, you know, being the fourth year, I think this is a huge year for the Stealth, and I say that every year. Um, but I truly think, you know, the fourth year of being in the Lower Mainland, um, I had one uh, fan ask me on Twitter, he's, he's, uh, you know, what do you expect of the year four? And I said, you know, this is a huge year. I think they have to be successful for this market to accept this team. And he said, well, what do you consider a success? And other than going the distance and winning the championship, I truly believe that for this year to be considered a success for the Vancouver Stealth, they have to have a home playoff game. Whether it's the wild card game, like the 2-3 game, the one-off, or whether it's getting to the West Final and hosting one of the two games, like that is imperative. Um to give this fan base and this market a home playoff game will go so far to 
getting them back the following year because they've had three years of not making the playoffs. And winning breeds fan bases. And the Vancouver Stealth haven't done that. They haven't done that since they moved up here. Um, And it's shown with attendance. And if they can put a winning product on the floor, night in and night out, that'll bring more people out. If they can get a home playoff game, that's even bigger. I think if you get a home playoff game, you'll automatically probably see one of their bigger crowds. But that's a long way away from now. And what Doug Locker told me, and and I think this should go for, as I said, for most national lacrosse league camp, is there's no complacency going into camp. Um, You're not, and and this was kind of came out of the invitation camp, when I asked Doug about some guys that I had, I had seen in pictures there and wondering why they weren't advancing. And he said, you're not going to advance in a Batley camp and you're not going to make a Batley team just on your name alone. You have to earn your spot. So guys like Tyler Crompton, guys like Jason Jones, who are WLA veterans, who a lot of guys thought, you know, probably could have gotten a shot at a main camp. They're not going to main camp because you're not getting there just on your name alone. You have to work and earn it. And for some of those guys that went into camp, maybe they thought, oh, this is easy. I'm going to get in, no problem. And they're not. And that's the way it has to be. And Doug Locker said, that's the way main camp's going to be. There's no free passes anymore. And I think a lot of GMs and head coaches are going into the season with that in mind. And you have to, as a player going into camp, you can't rest on your laurels. You have to go and earn that spot. You have to bust your ass, get your nose dirty, get into the corners, fight for every loose ball. If you got to fight a guy, fight a guy. You got to give a guy a chop, give a guy a chop. Earn your space, earn your spot, earn your number. And I know that that's what Doug Locker and this group in Vancouver are really looking for because they need that grit and they need that edge and they need guys playing with a chip on their shoulder and they need guys coming in pissed off. And you have to come in and say, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm going to take your spot. You don't just get your spot. I am going to take your spot. And if they can have some free agents and some young guys come in with that kind of attitude and maybe push a veteran that's been there for a few years out of a spot, that can only be good for the team. Because, and I've said this before, oftentimes in Vancouver, there's been this quote unquote country club mentality. Uh, Everybody's buddy, buddy. Uh, everybody's already got their spot. There might only be two or three spots open. And all these veterans are just, you know what? I'm good. I got my spot. I'll just kind of coast through and get myself to the regular season. And I think that happens in a lot of teams and a lot of camps. And, And guys just come in. They're not in shape. They didn't look after themselves during the off season. And when the whistle blows and they got to hit the ground running, and next you know, they're gasping for air and they're out of shape and they're not ready to go. Coaches notice those things. So if you're a rookie or you're a free agent or you're maybe like a second or third year guy and you're listening to this, which, thank you. I hope I appreciate you listening. You better make darn well sure that when you go into camp, you are in the best shape you can be. Your stick better be dialed in. You better have two sticks dialed in. And you better be ready to go from jump. Because if you fall behind after one day, you may not be able to make it up on the second day. And with teams pretty much going to start paring down rosters after each camp, you're going to go from 40 to 35 to 30 to 25, and then that's it. And you're not going to get another chance. And if you go to a camp and you're out of shape and you get cut, well, word's going to get around. And you'll have GMs calling other GMs say, hey, why did you cut that Teddy Jenner guy? I thought he was great. I thought he would have been assuring. Oh, well, he's 20 pounds overweight. He had a terrible stick. He had a bad attitude. He just coasted. So we cut him. And if you get cut by one, because of those reasons, it's not very often you're going to get a second chance. But if you get cut just because of numbers and you busted your ass for two days or two weeks or three weeks, whatever it may be, then, then you'll definitely get a shot. However, um, I love training camps. Uh, They were one of my favorite parts uh, of the start of a new year. 
you know, you, 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 the new faces. Um, there's competition. There's battles all over the floor. And, you know, I, I like when, when some teams were like, you know what, we're only going to bring in, say, 35 guys, but every spot's open and it's going to be a battle. Great. Love it. You know what, we're going to bring 40. We're going to pare down. We're going to see if we can find some guys. I love that too. But you have to be ready to go right from the start. I don't care if you're a rookie or you're a 10-year vet because those 10-year vets got to be guys that lead. Like I'll remember Sean Williams. And we had, um, I'm trying to think of who we had on a few weeks ago, and they talked about um, Sean Williams' work ethic. And I'll never forget it when it was my first year in Rochester and Willie was there. And he had already been in the league and, and won championships with Toronto and been in Buffalo before, and, and now is with Rochester. You know, he was there before rocking the sweatpants, getting himself warmed up, and he was leading the sprints, and he was staying after to work on a stick and do more sprints. Like, that's the work ethic you have to have going into a camp. You have to be ready. You can't come with an ego, and you have to earn your spot. So uh, this weekend... Vancouver, Denver getting underway next weekend. A lot of other teams will kick off. Some teams aren't going to start even until December, but um, that really only gives them three weeks to prepare and get ready because December 29th is coming soon. It's a month and 14 days away for the start of another new lacrosse season. And I can't wait. Toronto and Rochester. Woo! That is a tasty, tasty matchup. One of the best rivalries in all of lacrosse. Um, kicks things off for the 2017 season. And then, of course, Colorado will be in Buffalo the next night. Another great game. Another great rivalry. Uh, we're going to talk to Dan Stroop in a little bit here. Um, he is a head coach. One of the three head coaches. The co-co-coach of the Colorado Mammoth. Along with his two good buddies, Pat Coyle and Chris Gill. Also guys who are heavily involved um, in coaching minor lacrosse, both indoors and outdoors in the lower mainland here in BC. So looking forward to talking to Dan Stroop. Uh, one thing that came across the wires uh, earlier today, uh, on Tuesday, uh, the Calgary Roughnecks shipped Riley O'Connor to the New England Black Wolves for a second-round pick. Uh, Mike Board stating that with the pickup of Lowen and the drafting of, of Brody Eastwood, it made O'Connor expendable, but it wasn't a trade that he was happy making. Uh, it wasn't one they really wanted to make. It was a really tough decision, but he felt that having Lowen and Eastwood in the lineup unfortunately made O'Connor expendable. Um, so Riley O'Connor is a new member of the New England Black Wolves, and that's a great pickup for the Black Wolves. Gives them another left-hander. Uh, they obviously lost Jordan Hall to the Georgia Swarm, so that's a good fit for him. O'Connor can play uh, in the transition, which he really excelled at with, Cal with Calgary. Um, so uh, that was kind of the main Newswire edition uh, today on Tuesday. Not much else has been going on uh, in the National Lacrosse League roster-wise. Um, again, we're, we're just getting to that point in time as we move closer and closer to camps. You're going to start team start to see some teams signing some players and moving guys around, as I said, just to make room. Uh, of note, Georgia Swarm put Joel White and Scott Ratliff on the holdout roster, uh, which is somewhat interesting. Um, being two American guys. Obviously, Joel's been there for a while. Um, he's one of their best players, one of the best Americans in the game right now. Um, but Scott Ratliff was going to be a bit of a project for them, hopefully to get him on the on the turf. Um, but we don't know what a lot of these major league lacrosse guys are going to do. The MLL released their schedule today, um, and their season is going to start August 22nd, which is after the final regular season game of the NLL but basically working right into the playoffs. So, you know, if if the regular season, or if the playoffs is a month long in the NLL, you know, that's four weeks that some of those guys are going to miss. Um, we still can't seem to find common ground. Um, but now it's up to the players to figure out what they're going to do. Um, guys like Hank Hawkins. Um, guys like Tom Schreiber. Paul Rabel. Um, Scott Ratliff. What are these guys going to do? Um, are they going to split? Are they going to play? Like you're not, if you're going to be a guy and you're going to commit to the NLL and then come April 17th, you say, peace, I'm out. I'm going to go play MLL. That ain't going to fly. So 
Uh, we're going to have to figure out what some of these MLL, NLL guys, American guys are going to do because there's going to be a decision to be made somewhere down the road. And these guys are going to have to figure out what that is pretty darn quick. So now we move to a Hall of Famer. Uh, he was inducted into the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame a few years ago. Uh, last year, he got to watch his good buddies Chris Gill and Kurt Miloski get inducted into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. And this past weekend, he joined the class of 2016. He is the co-co-coach of the Colorado Mammoth, the master of the Stroop Swoop. Number eight, Dan Stroop. Stroopy, my friend. How the heck are you? I'm good, Teddy. How you doing? Uh, I'm very well. Uh, it was a very memorable weekend and one that I'm sure you won't forget uh, for a very long time. Just uh, take us through your thoughts of uh, the induction in the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame this past weekend. It was uh, it was amazing. It was uh, quite an honor, and uh, I had my family, uh, had the family all there to help celebrate, and uh, even to top it off, I got, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to get the honor of going in the Hall of Fame, but I got to go in with uh, Russ Hurd, who I've, Mm-hmm. Played so long with, so it was pretty special. Special all around. It's been a, a remarkable career for you. Uh, you know, you had the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame induction, now the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame induction. Is it nice to see your efforts being rewarded? Yeah, I know you're not an awards guy, but uh, is it nice to be able to get that recognition? You know what? You're. You know, it's hard to. I, I'm not an award guy. I don't really. Never really thought of it that way, but. Mm-hmm. Now that my playing days are all over, it is pretty cool. It's uh, it's it's really nice. Like I like I said uh, Saturday night, I, I never thought about it till really till last year when I I went and uh, went to the dinner and I supported uh, the 2015 inductees. It was Chris mm-hmm. Gill and Malowski and Gumbar, and uh, yeah. you know it was, a, it was a great night. And I was thinking, wow, this is pretty special, and uh, and that's what it is. It, it was the other night. It felt pretty good. It's never something that we as players think about, you know, as we're playing our careers. Oh, one day I want to be a Hall of Fame member. But when you got that call, were you in shock? Oh, of course. I mean, uh, I've been to a few of the dinners, uh, and you see that, you know, Paul, Gary, the, mm-hmm. I mean, and then the uh, the older legends. It's it's amazing. The like the. The uh, book, the brochure they had, and with all the names, you're like, really? I mean, with these guys, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, you talk about some of the guys that were in last year, and and you talk about going in with Russ Hurt this year. Uh, that's the generation that sort of I grew up watching, and the tail end of my career, I, I played against you guys. Uh, but who are some of the guys that you played against that era that may not be in the Hall of Fame that you would like to see get that honor? Uh well, right off the top. You- Pat Coyle. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, and there would be. I mean, I could probably go on and on. I think there's yeah. a lot of special players and uh, a lot of guys from the island too that have, you know haven't been recognized. And uh, and then you go on and on East Coast. So yeah, I mean, this I'm just off the top of my head, Pat Coyle, because I uh, I'm traveling with him and I played with him so long. Yeah. He was such a good defender. They might not get the recognition all the time that. You know, I'm not gonna say they deserve, but they they deserve, right? They're uh, the no glory position. But anyway, I mean, there's a lot of yeah. people that I think, and I mean, hopefully one day they're there. Uh, I will always remember uh, the 2001 season. I, I talked to a couple guys about this before. You know, as the Shamrocks are going, we were kind of we went I think 20-0 or 19-0-1, and you guys knocked us out in the WLA finals. You go on to win the Man Cup with. Doyler scoring that incredible game seven winner. What do you remember uh, about the O one man and, and that group of guys? It was special. I mean, you've been through it yourself and uh, it takes a special dressing room. And, and I was saying that the other day, I think you, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you got a chance to go anywhere mm-hmm. just by sitting in the dressing room, you know, wow, this is a goofy dressing room where you got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, uh, and then, you know, it got, things got, crazy against you guys. I think it went six games and then, yeah. uh, then the man cup went seven. So it ha- we had to be, uh, had to be a special group to be those two teams, right? Victoria and Brampton. So it was, it, it was a lot of fun. And I, that, 
the hardest thing I've ever been involved with. Is yeah, that that series, both those series, but the the seven games in the end was really tough. That must have been a pretty special thing. I was really unfortunate not to get over to it, but you guys played at the Pacific Coliseum. It was kind of a neutral venue that we hadn't been to for lacrosse, and it was quite the atmosphere there during that Man Cup. It was. Um, I don't know exactly. I can't remember how many people were there. I mean, it was yeah. quite a few, and uh, the atmosphere was great. And, you know, you're playing uh, – I mean, it was an emotional series, too. That was 9-11 time, and then uh, we had a break, and then we went back playing. And uh, mm-hmm. it was – yeah, it was It was a – It was, like you say, it was different, not having the real home court advantage. But, yeah. uh, you know, in the end, I guess we had a lot more fans that could get in and watch. So it was good. Uh, you've just been inducted into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Uh, a former teammate of yours, Colin Doyle, has just retired from the National Lacrosse League. He's most likely going to be uh, a future NLL and CLA Hall of Famer. What do you remember about your times in Toronto playing with Colin? He'll be in every Hall of Fame. That's right. yeah. He's, an <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, an ama- he's an amazing player. Um, I just remember the uh, – I've never – you know what? He's probably the most uh, passionate player, or uh, he just laid every every night. He laid it on the line. It yeah. didn't matter if it was a, you know, a Tuesday or a Friday night in Burnaby, or you know, it was uh, Tuesday in in uh, Maple Ridge. It was he laid it all on the line, and uh, yeah. he made everybody better. It, it wasn't just that he was great when you went out there, and he he held you accountable too. If you missed a pass, and he set you up. He said. You know, you're not going to get many more passes than catch that. So, <laughs> but he was he was a great player, and yeah, he'll be as soon as he's allowed to be inducted, he'll be in uh, every Hall of Fame. He's that good. Absolutely. Well, uh, speaking with Dan Stroop, uh, head coach, one of the three head coaches of the Colorado Mammoth, uh, inducted in the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about the Mammoth in a little bit, but when did you get your start uh, with a lacrosse stick, and when did you know it was going to be the sport you wanted to stick with? I. I think I was about four. My dad put me in because my brother played. So yeah, he just not the way. This is not the way. Yeah, <laughs> probably you too, right? You yeah, just tagged along, and uh, he said, "You here's a stick. You go play now too." And then I don't know. I guess just over the years, uh, uh, just the friends you uh, accumulate over the time, and you know, you start getting not. I'm not gonna say good, but you, you can catch a ball and you're having fun and your yeah. teammates, and you know, it's just a way of life playing lacrosse. It was a lot of a lot of fun, and uh, it wasn't until the after junior. I think I after junior, then he started. Uh, well, the first year senior, I got to go to a man cup and realized, wow, this is this is a lot of fun. But uh, and, and for us West Coast guys, we never had the opportunity to play in the pro league when we when I first came out of junior. There was no opportunity. It was all East Coast, so uh, it was nice to get a chance to play there too. Uh, you talk about you know your dad getting involved and having the stick passed down from brother to to brother. Um, when did you decide to get your daughter involved in lacrosse? Uh, was that just something that was a natural transition for you? I well they I guess so they uh, they would come out and watch me play. I mean they were pretty young and then uh, you know I was I was known for being late to the games because I was up in the stands setting up car seats and getting <laughs> yeah. ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To watch, but uh, and they started pretty young too. They were four or five as soon as they could. They were out playing, and it was just mainly to get them out to have to play a sport. But um, honestly, they're like I said, I wasn't I wasn't very good growing up. But uh, the girls, my girls are they're pretty talented, and uh, I mean it shows. Uh, last year, uh, my oldest was lucky enough to represent Canada and they yeah. went on to win the world. So awesome. yeah, that's, uh, that was going to be the next question. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I still remember seeing the pictures of you and Shani sending out of your daughters being there and just that, that incredible moment and proud moment as fathers, uh, lacrosse fathers, especially being in the game to see uh, your daughter succeeding. I'm seeing it with my brother, Fred and, and his two girls, but how special of a moment was that for you as a, as a father who's been through the rigors of minor and, and, pro lacrosse and, and the indoor and the outdoor game uh, to see Danada uh, do so well. You know what? It's, it's something, uh, it's hard to explain. It's, uh, it's, you know, I loved playing and every, like I got to play in a, a lot of big games, but the emotions you feel watching, cause you, you don't have any control. You're just watching <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you're, you're switching and jumping around. So it was, 
it was so exciting. It was good, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, like you said, we stand there with Shani, and we played together, and you know, just uh, both of us doing the same thing, watching our girls play, and it was it was a lot of fun. It, we always used to joke, especially on the island, about all the, the guys, you know, my brother and the Hamiltons and Prankster and Bruce all having girls. Maybe we're going to have an incredible girls team in, in 15, 20 years. And now we're seeing those girls become, the, the you know, the next golden generation of Canadian field lacrosse women. And, and you're coaching them now. Uh, you're telling me you're heading down to Florida this weekend with a group of girls. How much are you enjoying being a part of that evolution and that revolution of women's lacrosse? Actually, it's it's amazing. I I really enjoy it, and I'm coaching with Fred. He's got the uh, the uh, freshman team, and uh, he's got a couple daughters involved, your nieces, and he's he's a great coach. He's he's pretty passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he, it's just fun to watch all these uh, these girls. And uh, Hamilton's daughter, uh, his oldest is off to college. She's down in the states. Yeah, so Bria, scholarship. Right? Yeah, that one's L. Oh, L, L. Right? Yeah, Bria. He's off younger. on a. Yeah, so she's off on a scholarship. I think in the last, I don't know, five years, it's probably been, uh, we've probably had uh, over 20 girls go go south on scholarships. So it's, that's incredible. I mean, that's it. I know it's exciting to to be a part of, and uh, it's exciting to watch. And uh, yeah, I just I'm, and we go this weekend. We're going with 40 girls down to the Presidents Cup down in Florida. So Amazing. I'm excited about that. Which means you won't be in Denver for the opening of Mammoth Camp. Uh, is Gilly and Coiler letting you get away with that, or do you have to buy a round of beers uh, when they come to camp in Vancouver in a few weeks? <laughs> yeah, they'll put me to, they'll put me to work uh, <laughs> yeah. in a few weeks. I owe them, I owe them some time, but uh, they they're both involved too. And uh, yeah, Chris Chris is involved. He's got his daughters involved. Um, his daughter's on the sophomore team, so or sorry, the freshman team. So she won't be going to Florida, but they all go to sandstorm in january so but yeah he'll uh they'll make me make up some time in a few weeks (laughs) uh it it is the opening of mammoth camp and and, and teams are starting to get prepared Uh, how excited are you to get the 2017 season underway with the mammoth team that that is really building to become a a real contender in the west it it is exciting i thought we had a great year last year uh Mm -hmm. we were excited it's not not the finish we wanted but uh again another Exciting game against Calgary that went the wrong way, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, we, our uh, our draft pick Haywire, he's supposed to be unbelievable. It's just uh, unfortunate he hasn't played in a few years, but I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see him play. So I think we're all excited. I'm uh, already told Pat and Chris. Let me know how he does first time out. I want to I want to hear about it. How has that the three headed coaching system worked? And you guys are, are lifelong friends. You've kind of come through the system together. You've played together and against each other in Toronto and Colorado. Like you guys are very familiar with each other. How does the coaching tandem work between the three of you? You know what? I think it works great. Because um, as a head coach, you have to make all the decisions, and you got to. Mm-hmm be you know and you, you got to be firm with your decisions this and and not that we're not firm but we can at least like chris and i basically run the offense so we can talk about it and confer and say and he can have a great idea that i didn't even think about and then yeah. uh, i say yeah that's that's a great idea so and and on the d2 we'll help patty out i mean obviously yeah. he's he's played a lot more back there and he knows a lot more about it but he likes our input too and yeah uh, so it's we all talk about it and basically uh Two out of three—that's what we're going to do, right? So it's—it works out great. Man. I'm not saying we always get along perfectly, but uh, yeah. that's okay. That's okay too. <laughs> it, it, it's nice to know that uh, Steve Govett has put the faith in the three of you uh, to run the team how you guys want it. How much input does he have uh, on a day-to-day basis and game to game? He lets us coach. Um, he doesn't—he uh, doesn't get involved in that. He's busy. Uh, on the business end of it and uh, filling the building and, uh, and getting us players along with Dan Carey, the guys we need. So yeah, he's, he's awesome. He, he brings them to us and then we, uh, you know, we go and try to win games. Uh, You guys will start uh, Friday, December 30th in Buffalo against the bandits. That's uh, always uh, a great place to play. Uh, It's changed since it was the old odd, probably in your first days, but, there are some arenas in the National Crossing that, that players get up for more than others. Um, why do you, is that just because of the fans and the atmosphere that that is, or or is it just the sense of a rivalry between a team like Buffalo and Colorado? 
I think I think it's got to be a little bit of the the rivalry. I think it's uh, or quite a bit of the rivalry. But mm-hmm. I mean, but when you when you're out there and there's eighteen thousand fans booing yeah. you and uh, yelling at you, it's sure a lot of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have Do you have yeah. a, a fond memory of of being in some of those really loud? Because I remember you were you were in the Toronto Rock days when they were playing at Air, or the uh, uh, the Maple Leaf Gardens when they were winning the titles in that crazy game with Rochester that that Tosser scored the game winner, and, and you were a part of some really big games. Do you have a game that stands out? Well, that one. That one was... Yeah, that one, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, uh, then, then next year, also, we... Uh, same thing at uh, the Gardens. It was... Uh, yeah. Th- those were ama- amazing days. But, I mean, it seems like every other weekend, we were either in Buffalo or Rochester, also. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Th- th- because there was only, I don't know, six, eight teams back then. But it was... Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. They were... Uh, tough buildings to go into you know you get on a bus and then go in there and get booed all night but it was a lot of fun <laughs> uh you also had a chance to play in the first incarnation of pro lacrosse here in bc with the ravens down at gm place back in the day is there ever going to be a time where we're going to see um you know a, a lacrosse in the mainland packing an arena like it did in the early days of the ravens is that possible like you're a lower mainland guy you kind of know what the scuttlebutt is with the fans and the people around there. Is there ever going to be a day where, where the stealth, whether they be in the LEC or the Coliseum or downtown or wherever they are, actually get a good draw? You know, I, I hope so. I mean, you remember it too. They had mm-hmm. some games with the Ravens. I mean, the first one, I think it was 13,000, right? I mean, yeah. I I hope they can, you know, get some fans in there, at least fill the LEC. They got a great team, um, great product. I just, uh, I'm not sure why they're not shielding it. I wish they could. Um, yeah. I mean, they, in the day, I think when we, even when we ended up, I think when Tom Manick had to fold up, it was it was still six or seven thousand in yeah. attitude. Yeah. But they were trying to pay for a big building, so it was uh, it was tough on him. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't see why not. I think the fans are here, the talents here, they have a great team, and uh, I hope they can do it. Uh, before I let you go. Um, Russ Hurd played last year in the WLA on a very emergency basis. Is there ever going to be a chance where someone gives you the call and say, hey, could you come out and dress up for a game? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not, no. <laughs> Those days are I long gone. Yeah, I, actually, I don't – me and Russ don't uh, keep in touch as much as we used to, just once in a while. And uh, yeah. I happened to be talking with him that night when he told oh. me he was, on, he was on his way over to Victoria to play. And I <laughs> – I didn't believe him. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about play? <laughs> uh, it was, no, it was I, yeah, I, quite a scene. Did you see it? Oh, I was calling the game. It was it was awesome oh, to see him out there. That is funny. It's, I hear he did okay, too. That's awesome. Yeah, he, he didn't do bad. I, I'll give it to him. He didn't do too bad. Uh, Stroopy, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. Um, congratulations on the Hall of Fame again. It's an incredible honor. Uh, you were one of my favorites growing up watching and always been a fan favorite of mine and everybody else in the cross world, especially the lower mainland. Uh, thanks for the time. Uh, good luck in Florida. And I'm sure we'll probably see you at a rink soon. All right. Thanks very much. National lacrosse league hall of famer and most recently Canadian lacrosse hall of fame inductee, Dan Stroop. Stroopy goes in with Cam Devine from Ontario, Don Stinson, Russ Hurd, Tom Fair Jr., Builders Ernie Truant, Ziggy Musial, veterans Jim McNeil, and Zinan Lipinski. Um, congratulations to everybody inducted into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. And we know that there will be more next year and the year after and the year after as we can continue to build one of the icons and historic landmarks in lacrosse, and that is the CLA Hall of Fame in New Westminster. If you're ever out here, you know, going to catch a game in the lower mainland and you come early and you got some time to kill, I highly suggest going to check out the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. It is a marvel to behold. Uh, great stuff with Stroopy. Uh, we want to wish him and the girls all the best down in Florida, including my niece Mackenzie, who uh, would love to go on to play college in the United States, and I'm pretty sure she will. She's absolutely loving it. Um, but you know, you kind of heard us talking about, um, the group of this group of guys and, and it is truly remarkable, um, how many lacrosse players that played in like the mid nineties, early two thousands, even early nineties to early two thousands 
Um, how many of those guys had girls? Uh, we always used to call it the island curse because literally so many of those guys of my brother's ilk um, from the early 90s and mid-90s, they all had girls. And the joke was, you're going to have an incredible field lacrosse team in 15, 20 years. And we're seeing that right now of how many um, of those young women um, are playing for Team Canada, are going to the States to play college, um, or a part of this Team BC program that is doing an incredible work uh, going down to Palm Springs, going to Florida, uh, going all over, and just building the game of women's field across and uh, growing the women's Canadian game uh, to new heights. And we saw what it can do last year as the women won the world championships in which was a monumental victory for Canadian lacrosse. Um, and it's only going to get bigger and better with the likes of Gillian Stroop and, and my brother and, and his wife, Linda, and, and all these people who are putting their time in uh, with the women's game and, and growing it exponentially and creating the next generation of Canadian women lacrosse players. And we're seeing the influx uh, of what Canadian men are doing down south in the NCAA um, we'll just look no further than Selena, Selena Lasota, um, who's from right here on the island in Parksville, uh, who is one of the best college players in the NCAA. Uh, Danita Stroop is down there. Uh, we talked about Ella Hamilton. She's down there. Um, um, uh, the Ev Evans girl, I can't remember her first name. Um, the young Dobie girl. And these are all names that are just, the first names are, are slipping my mind, but... Um, We've seen the influx of Canadian men in the NCAA game. Uh, Erica Evans is her name. Um, but now it's the influx of Canadian women. And for all the same reasons, the Canadian men were having success. And why NCAA schools are going after and recruiting the Canadian men is because they have such good stick skills. And these girls that are playing field lacrosse, a lot of them started playing box lacrosse. Because for a lot of these young girls, there isn't girls field lacrosse um the numbers aren't quite there to have full programs and full travel leagues and full house leagues um you know in victoria there's two teams but oftentimes they don't really have anybody to play so a lot of these girls have to start playing box and that's where they get their incredible stick skills and it's translating into some very high level women's field lacrosse players and they're all starting to get noticed by ncaa colleges and they're having some success on the world stage as well so uh, we want to wish Everybody involved in growing the women's game, the best of luck, and, and we are supporting you. And trust me, guys, if you can get involved coaching, um, whether it's youth men, youth women, indoor, outdoor, I still implore you, get out, get involved in a team at any level because your experience and your lessons are invaluable to these young people. That'll about do it here for another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. I um, want to thank Bill O'Brien and Dan Stroop. Don't forget, um, next week we're going to try to get um, somebody from the league to talk about the new rules if they have been released. If not, we'll kind of go in a different direction. Um, but uh, we're going to either talk to Bill O'Brien or Lyle Thompson about their weekend in Standing Rock, and we'll go uh, somewhere else in the National Cross League to get you set up for another weekend of camps. Uh, it'll be American Thanksgiving, so who knows who will be available. My name is Teddy Jenner. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can drop me an email, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. It's always been a pleasure and always is a pleasure to chat with you. Enjoy the day, and remember, be excellent to each other.